Welcome to the Athlete Performance Education Podcast, where we aim to educate, empower, and excel athletes and coaches to the next level of performance. All right, welcome Sophie to the APE show. It's awesome to have you. Um, you're a surfing superstar. Um, we've been training with you for the last couple of years, and you've now made the move up to sunny northern New South Wales. Um, just want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself um, and your journey so far um, as a professional surfer. Sure. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, yes, definitely fleet up the coast, chase some warmer weather. <laughs> but yeah, I'm Sophie. I'm 20 years old. Uh, I compete, well, was competing full time on the World Qualifying Series uh, as a surfer, traveling the world. But Obviously, every, everyone's plans have changed with COVID, hence um, I've actually moved up to northern New South Wales. Uh, I just think there's a, you know, a bit more opportunity up here in terms of the training facilities with the High Performance Centre, literally five minutes down the road. Um, everyone knows Victoria winter is pretty brutal, so <laughs> it's more motivating to get up early and surf here. And, you know, it's quite vibrant and, yeah. Nice yeah. move. Awesome. And so whereabouts in northern New South Wales are you at the moment? And um, and what sort of your day-to-day look like with, with um, being full-time training and stuff up there? Yeah, so I've moved to Pottsville. So not many people know where it is. It's a really tight little community. I love it, especially coming from Phillip Island, which is also a tight community. Um, yeah, so Pottsville's like that. And it's sort of five minutes, ten minutes to Cabarita. Well, pretty much smack bang, 30 minutes to Gold Coast, 30 minutes to Byron Bay. Beautiful. That's where I am. <laughs> um, and then in terms of my day-to-day up here, it's been, obviously things have changed with not having any competitions for a whole year now, which is kind of crazy to think about, especially coming from last year where I was away, you know, 10 months of 12. But um, yep. at the moment, I'm sort of just using this as an opportunity to really like use this time to train and work on my mental physical my technique and everything so wake up surf breakfast surf <laughs> um luckily where i live in this little property um with four girlfriends oh sorry three girlfriends we have a little boxing gym on site so i've been boxing with our landlord which is so much fun just trying to get you know really quick fast <laughs> think fast um yeah. be strong and obviously fitness i'm surfing so much that i haven't been you know going to the gym as much i've been yeah. doing surfing two to three times a day so Amazing. yeah it's been yeah. fun pretty cruisy schedule actually yeah and definitely always good to get away from that victorian winter um that's awesome I know. Um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about sort of your surfing journey, um, in particular your pathway, I guess, from, from being junior and entering competitions and then transitioning through, through your adolescence and that um, phase through school and then into sort of the, the professional circuit um, in the qualifying series? Yeah, for sure. Well, obviously it always starts grassroots, so the local board riders club, um, Phil, oh, obviously Phillip Island board riders club, and I did that. Oh gosh, I started probably when I was eight or six and pretty much you grow through that. You go into then the open women's and it's still really local, branch out into the state um, competitions and then Australian competitions. 
And then I sort of did that every year from, you know, primary school to high school. And I did year 12 and did a couple of the world qualifying series, but within Australia. And there was one actually on Phillip Island. So that was a good way to start. Um, and it's just a whole different ball game jumping onto the world qualifying series. You've obviously got internationals and the whole levels much higher than, you know, the local contest. Um, yep. So, I, you know, did year 12 and um, I said to mum and dad, like, I really want to give this a crack. So we kind of treated this as my university. So four years, I'll give it a go. Um, and yeah, first year out of school, I you know, traveled to a few countries. I trained with you um, one, to one to two times a week when I was back home in Melbourne. And yeah, I guess that's a pathway. And then obviously there's different tiers in the World Qualifying Series. There's a 1,000, 3,000, 5,000 and 10. Sounds yeah. really confusing, but they're the amount of points that you get if you win that contest. And then within the QS, the top, six then go into the world qualifying series so it's pretty it's it's a tough gig but obviously we're all there to you know make the world tour so but things have changed obviously with COVID we can't travel around the world now so there is a whole new structure for next year um it's all pretty up in the air at the moment but it will be a little bit different the next few years yeah yeah for sure we'll have a we'll wait and see how that all unfolds and, and what competition looks like for you in that regard so during, I guess, your high school period, that transition where it's like, you know, you're looking at what you want to do post-school, you're still focusing on your studies at the time. Were you competing um, in any events that kind of made you think, hey, I, I can really make a career out of this? Was there a period during that phase uh, when you got to the end of high school and you said, hey, I want to I want to give the professional a crack? Was, was there moments across your high school period where you thought you were a chance? Well, definitely because being... I guess a Victorian, we had that opportunity to compete in the trials for the Rip Curl Pro at Bells Beach, which is a world tour event. Yeah. So in that, that's an amazing opportunity in itself. And the QS can't really give you that where if you win this trials, you're in a world tour event surfing against number one in the world. So um, that definitely like competing for the last five years in those trials have been massive by opening, like even in the free surfs, during that week around the Rip Curl Pro is just you're with all your idols and you're like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Like, you know, they train so hard but then they're living amazing life and inspiring so many people. So yeah, <laughs> that. Yeah. And then I guess doing a couple of QS comps, um, making a few heats and, you know, really close calls if you miss out, like bomb out early, but you felt like you're close sort of thing for sure. Yeah. <laughs> There was times after school, I was like, yes, I want to do this. Amazing. I think that's one of the really cool things, you know, for people who might be listening to this to understand the QS is that you get to compete um, against that senior level at a young age. So I guess at 14, 15, 16, you can, you can um, show your skills off on, on the same stage or the same platform as some of those senior athletes, which, you know, a lot of sports, traditional sports in Australia, we don't really get that opportunity to compete until we get to that senior age. So I guess that's an amazing indicator for you um, to get to experience. And you mentioned the Bells Beach. So you've had five goes at the trials there. Can you tell us a little bit more about that experience and, and what that's felt like? Obviously being hometown Victoria, um, competing with your idols and stuff. And I know 
the last couple of years, um, you've positioned yourself really well, having get having won the the, the senior Victorian title, so you, you get a good qualifying position. Um, I think you missed out just a couple of um, couple of heats off last time, and um, so what's that been like? And I guess being so close to a CT event, what's that experience been like for you? It's so close to a CT event, and that, like I said before, it's just such an amazing opportunity that you have to give it a go <laughs> like you'd never pass that down um and it it's such a world it's so pre- prestigious is that the word <laughs> yeah spot on yeah um, <laughs> uh, i guess there's that quite a bit of pressure because it is a world tour and event and all the big names from around the world are in town um so many people watch and <laughs> you know you look back at the cliff and you see that whole setup for the main event which starts a few days after the trials and it, it kind of feels like you're in a big event and it's just so exciting. Like you're nervous, but more excited if anything. Um, and because you're competing against your fellow Victorians, which I've, we've all grown up together competing, it's, we, we're all, we all know what it feels like. So it's kind of fun. Um, and obviously we support whoever wins. It's just the most exciting thing ever, but you've got to make a few, it's pretty tough. Like, I think there's three rounds and whether you start in one, two or three, you have to win each heat and then you make it into a rip curl round where you compete against the top rip curl sponsored women surfers around the world. And then you have to win that to get in. So it's a tough gig, but man, might as well give it a crack. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And like you said, such a great experience. And for, for listeners out there, most people will be familiar with the rip curl pro, but the opportunity that I guess surfing provides for, for Groms and progressing and QS surfers to have a chance. Um, it's yeah. just completely um, invaluable experience and, and so amazing that you've got to um, got to have a few goes at that. I remember going down and watching a couple of years and just to know that, you know, athletes like yourself are getting those opportunities. It's, it's super, super awesome. Um, yeah. So if we fast forward a little bit, um, I'd love to chat to you about sort of your, your first QS win when you took out the, the Mandra. Um, title. Can you tell us a little bit about what that experience was like? A little bit, um, I guess, what you were sort of going through at the time. How, I know you come back from Indonesia and then you pop down to WA for a few competitions and you're really in a peak travel period. Um, you know, you're fatigued, tired, and you've pulled out the best result of your career. Can, can you tell us a little bit about what that was like and, and how you found a way to win? Yeah, it's actually funny. Like, I love when people bring this up because it's exciting. But um, you're right. I was... I had just traveled for four months in Indonesia. I had four events over there. And previous to that, I was, um, I did the Australian leg and was in Indonesia again before that. So the whole year, and it was my first year out of school. So I guess for everyone, when you finish school, everything's so new and exciting. And the fact that I was traveling the world competing was just, oh, my mind was going crazy. Yeah, so (laughs) Um, much stimulation, so much happening. It's amazing. Yeah, so every I was learning a lot in terms of just, you know, meeting people and cultural experiences and stuff like that. Um, but because it was my first year full-time on the QS, I had zero expectations. I had no idea what was going on. I just was sort of like a little sponge sucking it all in. And then I got three good results in Indo. And like you said, I was so fatigued from four months um, over there because it's, it's definitely not well when I travel Indo I don't go the luxury ray I <laughs> try and rough it a bit because you know that's the whole part of the whole experience yeah 
yeah, so tired. And I remember mum called me. She's like, hey, there's a comp in WA. I would love to go over and see my sister, um, my auntie. And she's like, you should just do the event and come over there. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can compete anymore this year. Like, I'm so tired. Got to fly home. And I did. I ended up doing it. Flew home for a day. Picked up all my wetsuits. Flew back over to WA and then started the comp the next day. Um, and again, you've come from warm tropical water to middle of winter. And so that in itself was quite hard putting a wetsuit on. But yeah, I did a couple of heats. It was super exciting. And again, no expectations. And then all of a sudden I was in the quarterfinal. I was like, sweet. This is where I needed to get to get into the top 100 in the world. And I thought, oh, let's just like now there's really no pressure. Like I got my goal was top 100 making the quarters was enough to just scratch maybe 99 or something. Um, and in the quarters, I was up against ex-professional surfer that was on the world tour, um, Claire Bevelacqua, if I've pronounced her last name right. <laughs> um, I ended up beating her just I got like by 0 0.4 points or something. And I was in yeah. the semis against another very top high surfer in Australia. And, Next minute, I was in the final, and again, it was all just a bonus from there. So, yeah, and I ended up in <laughs> my last wave. I got the score, and I was chaired up the beach. It all happened so quick, but I think just having that no expectations, and I was just having so much fun, and then all of a sudden, you're holding the trophy. I was like, what? <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but yeah. It's amazing. I actually remember um, we were at the gym in, in Richmond and we've tried to keep, you know, I try to get our athletes involved with each other's athletes results and yours were coming through on the live scores and I was with a couple of sessions and, and missed it. And then with, I remember checking it that afternoon and you'd won, you'd gone from quarters to winning like a click of a finger. Yeah. And it's just such an amazing thing. And it's great to talk to you about now just to share that joy. And I think um, you're so aware of this, but it's something that, you know, whilst it's an individual sport, it brings so much joy to so many other people. And um, it's just so great to see your, your energy and stuff yeah. when you talk about it because it was I such an exciting moment it. for us to to share yeah. that little glimpse with you. Um, so, yeah, hopefully hopefully many more in the future. Hey, you mentioned oh, a little yeah. bit um, as well there about, about your travel through Indo and stuff and how you like to rough it and, and really get the full experience. And I know you you're off at China at the start of the year and that was a completely new thing surfing over there. Do you have any sort of um, favourite countries or favourite places to surf and travel that, that you've had? Um, obviously, you've sort of been travelling since you were Grom and you probably, you're probably the most well-travelled 20-year-old I've ever met. Um, so is there any, any sort of special places to you that you'd like to share, share with us listeners? Um, well, I've mentioned Indo, but definitely there because... My dad and I were super close and he sort of introduced, oh, mum and dad introduced me to traveling, but um, dad tries to do the comps with me. Um, so every year we travel to Indonesia, but we, like I said, we have backpack surfboards and try really go off the grid. So whether that's some remote offshore island, no one speaks English. We live with a local family in a village, catch fish, get the rice from out the back of the hut, like, really really get involved with where we are and who we're with um no receptions and no phones and stuff and just surf and live really so indo we always have really special trips there um and when there's a comp there it's a bonus because you're surfing the world's best waves with 
potentially one other person, which is just mind blowing. (laughs) So I love competing as well. Um, But last year, my favorite place was South Africa. We like, before we went there, we were just drilled with all these negative, you know, scary stories about the place. Um, and dad's always taught me like you never know until you know you go there and we went there honestly honestly, the most incredible place I've ever been Um, the people were beautiful obviously you've got to be you know common sense street smart and obviously don't walk down the street by yourself at after dinner at dark or something but it was just amazing the waves were great everything was just (laughs) mind-blowing like it's sort of if whoever's been on the Great Ocean Road in Victoria before, it's like that times a million. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere. So, um, yeah, the whole time, everything just got better <laughs> there. Yeah. It's um, it's so cool to hear you talk about these places because I think for so many, especially, um, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the results of your competition and, and, and how you're tracking event by event. And I think it's a really good attitude to have for the athletes and, and, you know, other athletes and younger athletes listening to this is that to have that mindset where you're, you're taking in the whole experience. And I think probably uniquely surfing offers that with the travel element and the culture element and that exposure to different things. I think, you know, you mentioned yeah. it earlier being a sponge and, and just taking everything in. It's a really great way to build that perspective and that wisdom, you know, for your career going forwards. And every time you have these new experiences, it's so cool to hear that you're, you're taking all this, um, all this culture and all these different experiences that these countries have to offer. And then the competition is just a part of it because we had it come up in an episode um, the other day with, with one of our other athletes, Lou, who mentioned she talked, she's a footy player and she was talking about how, you know, you can't make footy everything because when it's everything you lose context. And um, I think it's really cool that you have that balance with your surfing now that it's not just competition is part of it, but it's not who you are. It doesn't define you. And it's the experiences and the values and the, the lessons that you can take from from all these travels and stuff is such a such an awesome way to to take take things that's the thing like the result is just a moment at one in one day whereas yeah. like to get there the training the travel the people you meet the experiences like to be honest that's that's why i do it the result's just a bonus but like this surfing has given me so many opportunities to travel the world um, so I don't want to just go to China, for example, sit in my hotel room, compete, go back into the hotel room, compete, fly home. Like, what? I'm in China. Go, go see China. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> some bad stuff over there, but why not? <laughs> yeah, crazy. Hey, and on that, so you ticked off China at the start of the year, which I guess was good timing to get to get that new experience out of the way. What's what's next on the bucket list, or what's next on the surfing tour that you'd like to? Um, you'd like to see or experience in the next couple of years? Oh, bucket list. Um, gosh, there's so many places I'd love to go to. Um, obviously, I'm not sure that traveling will even be a thing with the whole competing now. Um, yeah. Maybe not until the end of next year, but I'd love to go to South Africa again. And... Uh, <laughs> I've had a mental blank. <laughs> what was the question again? Next bucket list trip. Next. Oh, I don't know. Actually, yes, I do know. I'd love to go to Hawaii. 
it yeah. sounds crazy being a surfer and not going to Hawaii. Like, <laughs> yeah. I should have been there. But definitely, you know, that's, I guess, where surfing sort of begun. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I think with the whole new system, with the QS now, I you need to be in the top three within your country to then get into the international QS. So I won't be traveling as much, um, which I guess gives me more incentive to get into the top three in Australia. So then I can get back to what I was doing, but yeah, it's all new now. So we'll see. Yeah. Awesome. So if we just sort of shift the conversation a little bit more towards your surfing in particular and what, like when we're talking at sort of, where you want to go with your career and stuff, what would you sort of say your strengths are as a surfer? And then what are the, I guess, secondary to that, what are the areas that, that you're hoping to work on and especially during this phase? Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess strengths as a whole is I'm pretty like open-minded and I'm a pretty fast learner. Like I, I'm a good listener and try and learn quite quickly. So I guess that's a, great thing in terms of trying to get better in your profession um as all my profession as a surfer uh but weaknesses i'd love to i've been working with a sports psychologist so i'd love to just keep really being more self-aware which i think i am but you can never get to a you know there's always room to improve on everything um so just being really self-aware with emotions and thoughts and beliefs and things like that um and then obviously there's the whole technique things like um how to do a bottom turn better (laughs) things like that just working with a coach i'd love to yeah find someone who i can work with really full time and with the whole um technical side of surfing and heat strategy just yeah a coach for my surfing <laughs> that's definitely my, my number one priority at the moment anyway yeah no that's awesome i think self-awareness and you know the one thing i could attest to is definitely that coachability you know whether it's in the gym or whether that's transferring to your surfing every time we catch up you're always engaging in some way you can progress yourself whether it be psychology or technical aspects or your fitness aspects and you're always asking questions and stuff and you know it's one thing i'd like to transition to the listeners as well to take that on is that you know, you can have the na- <laughs> yeah, you can have the natural ability, and you can have the ego, and you can have the confidence. But to have that coachability is something that every athlete's going to need at some phase in their career, whether they're transitioning from junior to senior, or whether they're trying to take that next championship medal, whatever it might be. Is being able to coach, being able to take up information and being coached and adapt is such a, a powerful trait. I love those answers that you have there. They're not they're not technical answers, and they're not skill answers. They're more mindset, and I think that's really really important you know to have that um that growth mindset as an athlete and that ability to adapt and you've definitely put yourself in the right position you know making that decision to move up north and train full-time at the moment is is such a progressive and um productive you know transition i think at the moment it's really really cool to see you take that sort of leap um which is just awesome if you were to reflect for a second and and grab onto hindsight is there something that you'd sort of tell your, your junior self or for junior athletes and surfers coming through the ranks um, that you do differently or that you um, you wish you had done during that um, adolescence phase or, or junior phase during your career? Um, oh, good question. <laughs> I guess just 
not being scared to ask questions. I was always, you know, like, what if they say no? Or what if this, what if that? But what if they say yeah, and the opportunity just grows and more doors open. Um, I've learnt that now. I say yes to everything. <laughs> but yeah, my younger self, I was always so hesitant of what I guess other people thought of me or if my questions were silly. Um, but no, no questions silly really. Um, definitely jump at any opportunity you're given. Um, and whether it leads you somewhere or it doesn't, something else will open up down the track. Um, and it means that you're just giving it a crack anyway. So <laughs> I think that's a good thing. Yeah, um, no, I love that. I love that it, you're just willing to, um, what if they say no, but what if they say yes? And looking at it just that 60, 40 positively skewed, um, you know, that's, and that's, that's actually how I met you. Like, yeah. um, I think you sent me an email and I was like, oh my gosh, no way you're training in Melbourne. That's so scary. And then I came up and met you and you're a legend and here we are doing a podcast. Yeah. And, <laughs> and look, that's, crazy. that's the thing I love. And, and for the listeners, so how, how it came about was that um, Urban Surf was getting announced to be built in 2017 and our gym was located not too far from the site. And so I had initial thought that there was a great growth opportunity to go into surfing you know, from high performance perspective. So I, I put out the post and reached out to Victorian surfers and, and you were one of the girls that grabbed onto that opportunity and went with it and, and sort of went with the why not attitude. And, you know, we've been able to build a great working relationship and hopefully you've learned a couple of things from us, but there's no doubt that, you know, our athletes and myself have learned, you know, some, some great traits about you and, and how you look at sport and performance and, and that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's been a great, great relationship and, it's, it's been a great product of, of what you said there about, you know, grabbing an opportunity when it, um, when it approaches. Um, 100%. If we fast forward a little bit and now we look through the crystal ball into the future, um, what is sort of your aims and focuses over the next year or so transitioning through this, this COVID era from a competition perspective, but also from, you know, a personal perspective with, with work and, and life and that sort of thing? Yeah, so... To be honest, as terrible as COVID is, it's been great for me. <laughs> um, I last year had probably the worst run of results. I think I was just a bit drained in a way because I've been competing since I was 12. Yeah. Um, and prior to COVID, I was saying to mum and dad, like, I think I just need six months to just surf without a wild schedule or any pressure. I just wanted to take it back a little bit and then COVID happened and events were being cancelled and so, and it, so I was like oh gosh use this opportunity to just like it, it was meant to be nearly um so in saying that like so now because there's none of that oh, the competition's on I'm just uh, living with my friends up north enjoy, enjoying everything that I can um so yeah, I'll be competing again probably next year. Again, it's up in the air, but my goals right now is just to keep focusing on mental surfing as much as I can because it's warmer and I know that all my friends back at home are in four threes and brain freezes. <laughs> yeah, booties, gloves, hoods, yep. <laughs> um, what was the second part of that question? 
And then that was it. Just, just, you know, what, what were you looking at from, from a surfing perspective and then also from a lifestyle perspective and you kind of touched on that, you know, just surfing and living with the girls and stuff. Definitely. And while I'm up here, because there's no competing, I've actually started my own little business <laughs> selling hand-drawn decal stickers for any purpose to stick on, bit of art, bit of creativity. So yeah, this opportunity is perfect for me to work on that um, and try and grow that while I don't have a crazy schedule um, traveling and training and competing. Yeah. So up here, there's so many markets. I've been having so much fun just Saturdays and Sundays doing all the markets in the northern New South Wales region. Um, yeah, so <laughs> paying for my rent. Yeah, that's it's awesome. Great. And we'll yeah. do a little plug. So that's Sophie Fletcher Designs. You can find that on Instagram. <laughs> is probably the best place. Is that right? Uh, yeah. yeah. That or sophiefletcherdesigns.com. Either one. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So anyone with a with a plain white board or something want to spruce it up, that's your that's your go to, or some some decal designs for your home and that stuff. It's awesome, really, really cool. Hey, I love that little um, grab there. We talked about sort of taking. You needed six months and you wanted to take some time off. I think I can attest to this during when I was in my my footy days and stuff. And I know a lot of athletes we work with, we we're very present and we live in the now and we get caught up with the next round of games. Or, or the next competition or the next heat. And it's really easy to be consumed by that, especially as a young athlete thinking, you know, this is the most important one because this is going to leapfrog me to the next event or the next, the next heat or the next race. And I love that, that you just had that maturity to go, Hey, look, I think I need three to six months to just calm down. It's been a hectic ride so far to learn to almost smell the roses. And, you know, I reflect back, my dad always said to me, hey, you, you might need six months off to let your body grow and let your body catch up. And, you know, it's, it's crazy how once we're thrown into this position um, or we're forced into this position through circumstances that you can, you can look at it two ways. You can dwell on it and, you know, go, oh, you know, competition isn't here. I was supposed to be in America. Or I was supposed to be in Japan, whatever it might be. But then to go, hey, look, I can work on this. I can do this. I can explore work. I can grow my own business. It's it's such a, a wonderful mindset to have, and I think it's a it's a great point to note to, to other people who might be consumed by um, their sport or their event at the moment and have that more um, that global view. Is it's really really cool insight, Soph. Um, yeah. Just a couple more questions. I just you've you've kind of touched on it in different aspects. You know, talking about your work and obviously living with with your girlfriends and stuff in the house. And you know a little bit about this with us that we have sort of our four dimensions of health that we focus on. Um, at APE with our um, social, emotional, psychological and physical health. You know, are there any strategies or advice or, or tips that you use um, to kind of balance that physical, mental, social element with such a busy lifestyle and stuff? Um, gosh, I don't know about tips, but I definitely feel like I have quite a balanced lifestyle because yeah. I'm living with three of my best friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, I you know, train every day. I'm running a small business as well, which is my work as well as surfing as work. And mental, you know, I, like I said before, work with a sports psychologist and always trying to, um, you know, I don't know what the word is, like focus on or bring it back to the now. Like you were saying before, you can really like, oh, I should have been in America. I should be doing this and that. But this is such a unique situation right now during COVID. Like, I'm seeing this as a massive opportunity 
um, like using it as my break and focusing on other areas that I can improve on, not necessarily just competing. Um, so, gosh, I don't know about tips, but maybe just during this time, you know, focus on your passions, do your hobbies. Like, um, I'm going to start playing tennis at the local tennis court because yep. I love tennis. Why yep. not? Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. I've started boxing. Yep. You know, um, I'm always chasing something new and fun. So yep. I guess to whoever's listening, just, you know, do your hobbies and have fun. Go be social, go out on a Friday and have dinner with your mates or, and then the next day train hard, you know, <laughs> you just, I think having actually a good way, here's a tip, <laughs> um, a schedule, yeah. you know, yeah. um, like for me, I sort of got Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, have like focus on something when you surf and then I surf every day and then Tuesday, uh, Thursday, fun surf, take out a log of finless, um, 20 tandem with my friends, like, you know, nothing to do with technique or anything. And then, you know, structure, training on certain days, have a day to go out for lunch or, yeah. you know, make it up, draw. Oh, and yeah. then the business stuff for me, I've got set days for that. Sundays I seem to draw and work on my website and ways I can grow that. So, yeah, have a schedule. Hey, that's Not awesome. that I'm following it. <laughs> Ah uh, no, that's good. That's good. I'm sitting here uh, in a little bit of awe. It's awesome to hear just how much you've grown, sort of in the in the last three years. I've I've worked with you so far. I'm sort of sitting back here, um, really really impressed. It's it's great to see that maturity and that um, that organisation that you've developed. I guess you know you can have coaches, you can have people who advise you, you can work with psychologists and stuff. But at the end of the day, in your environment, you're you're managing yourself, and and you have to make the decisions based off you know people's advice and stuff. But it's so great to hear you've really developed that clarity around your routine and your training. And it looks like you're really grabbing this this period of time um, with two hands and making the most of it. Um, I won't keep you too much longer. It's been an awesome chat. There's been some really great insights about your journey um, and sort of how you tackle professional sports. So thank you so much for your time. Um, where's the best place for people to keep up to date and follow you um, if, they, if they want to find out more about you and, and, your, and your sports career? Um, I pretty much post my life on Instagram, <laughs> whether it's surfing or the mental health things or, oh my gosh, sorry, the neighbours are cutting the trees down. <laughs> no, that's all right. Bit of fun. Uh, uh, just Sophie Fletcher on Instagram um, and everything's probably branches off that. Yep. So, yeah. But also thank you to you. Um, every time I train with up in Melbourne, I feel that inspired. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, thank you to APE and yourself <laughs> for having me. I love working. No worries, you. Sophie. It's been a pleasure and we'll <laughs> definitely keep in touch. So thank you. And that's it, guys. If anyone wants to keep up to date, you can find her on, on Instagram to the best spot. Um, thank you, yeah. Sophie, and we'll, we'll talk soon. <laughs>